Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. The number of Native Americans who practice Islam is small. It's not a traditional Native religion, but a number of people come to it through marriage or find it suits their spiritual view. A project by the Social Institute for Social Policy and Understanding features Native Muslims who give their perspectives on faith and identity. It's the eve of the holy month of Ramadan, and we'll learn more about this community and the photo project after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. On Monday, the Navajo Nation went before the United States Supreme Court to argue it has a right to Colorado River water, dating back to an 1868 treaty. Matt Laszlo reports from Washington. There's no running water on more than 30% of the Navajo Nation. And households on the reservation that do have running water only have access to about one-tenth of the water average U.S. households use. Why? Broken promises, reads the tribe's brief before the Supreme Court. After more than two decades of a drought in the Southwest, tribes have been demanding a seat at the table. More tribes are actively pursuing their uh, water rights. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a deal. It's very daunting. Though. That's Mark Macaro, tribal chair of the Pechanga Band of Indians in Southern California and first vice president of the National Congress of American Indians. Tribes have water, a right to water, right? Yeah. That's, that's the whole premise of uh, federal Indian water law. Yeah. When their homeland was created, there's an implied right to water that goes with it. Beyond that, how much? How much water? Exactly. Right? So that's, that's the rub. The case could have far-reaching impacts for tribes across the West because two decades of drought have had lasting impacts, including on bringing reservoirs like Lake Powell to historic lows. Christina Ospas is Navajo from New Mexico. Look at Lake Powell now. Yeah. That is so down. Yeah. And, and a lot of that water also ran down the little Colorado River. And, and that was also to a hydro plant. Yeah. And nobody talks to us. You know, they make these plans up here with these industries. And, but nobody came to us to ask. The Biden White House is aligned with Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, and some California water districts in opposing the Navajo Nation's water claims. For National Native News, I'm Matt Laszlo in Washington. An indigenous professor is conducting a survey to learn more about the millions of American Indian and Alaska Native people living in urban areas. Emma Vanderneinde of the Mountain West News Bureau reports. The nationally reaching survey asks questions like if they live in an apartment or house. It also asks about the conditions of their housing and their experience finding it. Sophia Locklear is a professor at Western University in Canada, and she's from the Lumbee tribe in North Carolina. She launched the survey two months ago, hoping to get 50 responses. Since then, she's received nearly 800. That signals that like people want to talk about this. You know, I'm getting emails, people saying, I really want to tell you my story about trying to find housing. There are no concrete results yet. But Locklear says responses reflect the country's colonialism and racism towards indigenous people. So everybody I've talked to, sure, has so far had some hard things happen in their experiences of finding housing, but they also are really brilliant at navigating that. 
Her goal is to use this data to inform policy and allocate funds to American Indian and Alaska Native people. For National Native News, I'm Emma Vandenite. And some exciting news. Congratulations to our sister program, Native America Calling, which is owned by our Alaska-based company, Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation. The one-hour live call-in talk show, which connects listeners from across the country to Indigenous issues, has been awarded a National Humanities Medal. President Joe Biden will present our president and CEO, Jacqueline Salee, with a medal during a White House ceremony on Tuesday. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications are accepted through May 31st at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. The 2023 Alaska Native Art Auction Gala is March 25th in Anchorage, Alaska. However, you can attend or bid on amazing art from anywhere in the nation on our virtual platform. All funds go to support national Native news and other great programming. Learn more at knba.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling, a 2023 National Humanities Medal Award-winning show. I'm senior producer and host Andy Murphy. Have you ever wondered what Ramadan is on your calendar? You may have noticed that it's coming up tomorrow at sundown. Ramadan is a holy month in the Muslim calendar marked by fasting, and it's a time to get closer to God, do charity work, self-reflect, and strengthen community ties. Just over 1% of people in the U.S. are Muslim, according to the Pew Research Center. That means an even smaller number of people identify as Muslim and Native American. Recently, the Institute of Social Policy and Understanding, in partnership with Illuminative, released a storytelling project called Native American and Indigenous Muslim Stories, Reclaiming the Narrative. It shines light on the challenges and strengths found in this small yet overlooked community. So in this hour, we'll talk with Native Muslims, some of who are featured in that storytelling project, about how they converted to Islam and what it means to balance faith and cultural identity. You can join us too. If you have a comment or question, give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We have a link to the Native Muslim Stories Project on our website if you're interested to uh, read or hear more of these Muslim stories. We're at nativeamericacalling.com. Joining us today from Yorba Linda, California is LaTanya Barlow. She's Navajo from Shanto, Arizona. Welcome to Native America Calling, LaTanya. Oh, yeah, uh, Good morning, everyone. Assalamu alaikum. 
Good morning, Yate. Uh, also joining us from Chicago is Ashley Wolford. She's a community organizer and a participant in the Native American and Indigenous Muslim Stories Project. She's Chakta. Welcome to Native America Calling, Ashley. Hello, Hello. All right. Well, I wanted to uh, start off the hour here with uh, information uh, about Islam, uh, what Islam is, you know, some of the, the pillars of Islam that you think we should all know about. Uh, Latanya, can we start off with you? Give us a little bit of uh, uh, information about uh, about Islam. Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful. Uh, Islam is a monotheistic faith um, to believe in one creator of um, one of the Abrahamic faiths. And what Islam means is that there is only one creator, and his name is Allah. And he um, sent messengers. So the faith is to declare faith in the Creator, in His oneness, absolute oneness, with no cre- uh, with no partners, and to um, believe in the last day, to believe in all of the messengers and all the <clears throat> all the messengers and prophets like Adam, Abraham, Noah, Jesus, peace be upon them all, to um, believe in the angels and also the jinn or the devils, and then to um, believe in the books as well. And the pillars of faith um, are five, which is um, uh, belief in the oneness of God, to um, uh, pray um, five five daily prayers, to fast in the month of Ramadan, and if able to perform the pilgrimage to Mecca. And uh, the last is to um, uh Sorry, I missed. Uh, I, I, there's there's yeah. five, and I um I just uh, can't recall the last one. I'm sure okay. one of the other sisters can provide uh, some further, um, some further insight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ashley, uh, do do you know that fifth one? Um, give in charity. All right. So you have to give two percent of your income to charity. All right. Uh, Ashley, what is, um, tell us what Mecca is and, and why uh, take that pilgrimage? Um, Mecca is like a holy city in Saudi Arabia. Um, so it's just to travel to the Kaaba, which is um, where we, the direction in which we pray five times a day. So it's a um, recommendation that if you go like, once in a lifetime, if physically able. If not, then if you have physical challenges, then you're kind of exempt from going. It's only if you're like physically able to um, do the pilgrimage. Yeah. All right. Um, I'd like to go back to Latanya. Um, Latanya, uh, we just in the introduction we mentioned the Native American and Indigenous Muslim Stories Project, uh, and you were part of it. So was Ashley. Um, what uh, you know? How, how important do you think uh, that project was to just you know shedding light on this very small community? I know I 
never, you know, I haven't seen um, an article or a documentary or anything like that, like focused on native Muslims. Um, how, what did you think about the project and how it uh, was able to uh, shed some light on your community? I think it was incredibly um, well put together, and the fact that the team was actually in an actual research and um, a structured um, setting to where um, information and knowledge will just kind of flow freely, um, which is kind of always, uh, there's usually some limitations as when it is from non-natives that are actually, I'm not saying that we haven't been given the platform, but to have indigenous Muslims providing that platform and doing the work, it makes it a lot much easier to convey the message of who we are and not that we are, um, it might be that we are something strange, but we are, um, uh, our voices are, are small, but we're loud, and it takes a lot of um, a community effort to make that happen. And this is actually the first time in my almost 20 years of being a Muslim that Natives um, have provided us a platform to speak and to share our stories and to get a better understanding of who we are. So to in that 20 years from then until now, it's been... Um, uh, like the um, Arabic community or the Palestinian community or the and a lot of my interactions with the Muslim community to the to broadcast into the world has been through um, the African American or the Black community. They've always welcomed and um, provided um, a, a, a seat at the table um, to share um, to kind of like I guess be an ambassador or a liaison to the broader indigenous community and it's never been limited to just my faith it's like okay what's going on and what we want we need to know like it and it's so it's very um I'm kind of nervous because I know that natives hold us to we hold each other to a really higher standard so how we speak and how we convey um information has to always be clear and um uh so I'm um I'm very happy, and it's been um, long a long time coming, so right. to say the least, yes. Right, right. Um, so, so you mentioned kind of like being an ambassador. Uh, you know, I imagine uh, as a Muslim woman, as a Muslim native Navajo woman, you're you're most likely the only one in that space. Um, so, you know, as as uh, many of us uh, in, in um, uh, non-native spaces, we get a lot of questions. You know, just like those uh, uh, questions about about our identity, about history. Oh, do you guys still live in teepees? Do you guys pay taxes? You know, those kind of questions that uh, people, you know, literally have, and maybe sometimes they're, they're afraid to ask. But uh, since you're there in that space and you're part of the community now, they, they, they can ask you. Is that your uh, experience too? You, you get a lot of questions from people and you feel like you have to be that educator right then and there? Yes. So I've always been put on the spot 
And sometimes after the, the conversation is over, I'll think later, like, oh, man, I should have said this. I should have said that. But it's just um, little, um, I think we just kind of chip away at um, these conversations. And everybody is looking for a way, you know what I mean, in a native way. We, um, we, we search for that red road, you know, the path. And then in, as a Muslim, um, the beginning of the, the first chapter of the Quran is called Surah Al-Fatiha, which it's um it's like asking creator for guidance and um it's which is the straight way we ask uh, creator for the straight way which is often the narrow way or the steep way which many people shun and by the world's perversity the straight way is sometimes stigmatized and the crooked way praised and but how are we to judge you know so we ask for creator's guidance and with a little spiritual insight um, we we see um, which are the people who walk on the light of Creator's grace, and those which pa- um, walk on uh, uh, some darkness, so to speak. Um, and this uh, helps to um, clear, uh, provide some clarity in our hearts, um, um, spiritually speaking, because it's not the eyes that are blind that Creator says in the Quran; it's the hearts that are blind. So it's um, a matter of connecting ourselves um to the creator so i think that's what the the basis comes back down to we can um always talk about the political incorrectness of this that or the other and of course we our cultures and nations should be celebrated and never shunned and um it's it's a we are the creation of god so like why wouldn't we celebrate the diversity right All right, that is uh, LaTanya Barlow, Navajo Muslim woman over in Los Angeles. We will be back after this break. We are talking to Native Muslims about uh, balancing culture and faith. Native America Calling has been part of listeners' lives for almost 30 years. But how much do you know about the people, history, and mission that makes the show? We are celebrating a landmark recognition and taking time to hear the voices of the people who make this show possible. That's on the next Native America Calling. If you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with your health care professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Oh, hello. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy from the Navajo Nation. We're talking with some Native American Muslims today and learning about what it means to balance faith and cultural identity. You can join our conversation too. How do you balance religious faith and teachings with your Native culture, identity, and spirituality? What draws you to the religion that you subscribe to? 
Join us by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I'd like to bring back our guest uh, from Chicago, Ashley Wolford. Um, Ashley, we were just talking to LaTanya about kind of being that um, unofficial ambassador uh, for Native people within the Muslim community. Is that your experience as well in uh, your Muslim community there in Chicago? Um, yes, I basically have um, experienced multiple populations that I've encountered, which would be primarily the South Asian community, um, the Arab community, and predominantly the African American community is also the largest population of Muslims in America. Mm-hmm. Some people might assume that in order to be a Muslim, you have to be an Arab, or that all Arabs are Muslim. And it's actually the case that the largest population is actually African-American in the United States. All right. And um, I'd like to start talking about uh, how you and some of the other guests on the show have come to Islam. Um, How did you... um, you know, know that uh, Islam was for you, and, and what was it for? What was your experience like taking that um, uh, declaration of faith? Um, so I took my declaration of faith or a Shahada um, Testament of Faith in 2009 when I was actually about 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was an intern at an organization called the Arab American Action Network, which is on the southwest side of Chicago and only like a few blocks away from another organization called the Inner City Muslim Action Network. And it was through there that I first really um, saw Muslims praying five times a day or um, really kind of saw people practicing their faith like throughout the day where everyone would stop work and then they would sort of gather um, to do like their daily prayers. And um, I also had met someone of Libyan descent who is a rapper by the name of Khalid M and goes by KM. And I just became more like interested in the faith and, um, I've also been kind of affiliated through volunteerism with the Inner Sea Muslim Action Network. And it was really um, just my cousin, who was also a practicing Muslim who converted about 20 years ago, is a board member of the Inner City Muslim Action Network on the south side of Chicago. And it's a very, like, underrepresented community on the southwest side. Mm-hmm. And there's not really, like, a lot of resources for um, medical resources. It's like a food desert. They recently got a grocery store um, because Whole Foods had recently closed. Um, there's really not, like, access to fresh produce or vegetables. Um, but meanwhile, Eman has actually recently started a small grocery store. And it was more so um, how Muslims lead, like, 
social justice in their lives, like as a daily practice, that really um, attracted me to the faith because I saw that um, the people that basically practice Islam really um, exhibit their faith through social justice works and their action, and that basically is what really, like, drew me into the religion itself. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Uh, for our listeners, um, if you subscribe to a particular religious uh, faith, uh, what was one of the things that you know drew you in? Uh, give us a call. We are um, uh, taking calls today. 1-800-996-2848 is our number. Uh, Latanya, I'd like to ask you the same question. How did you come to uh, embrace Islam as uh, your religion? and uh, what was Shahada like for you? Thank you so much for this question. I was um, also around in my early 20s. I just got out of the Marine Corps, and I had recently moved to Tucson, Arizona. I met a family there. Um, they're from Yemen, and they, um, they uh, took the time to share with me little details um, and to provide worldviews and um, inward views you know, as regards to thoughts and actions. And it was more or less the character of who they were that made me question what their religion was. So it was after some time, after observing um, that this was different, and I've never met people like this, that was that really kind of drew me. But, um, and when I, the more I asked questions, I asked a lot of questions, like, what is Islam? And that was probably... Um, my first question, actually, that kind of started the whole thing, um, uh, my shahada came eight months later, but my first question was, what is your religion? And I asked, and so they were like, um, I'm Muslim. And I was like, what is that? You don't eat pork? And they were like, yeah, but it's not just that. It's mean that there's only one God, and his name is Allah, and the final messenger is Muhammad. And I was like, oh. And then um, I was like, well, what about Jesus? And they're like, he's a prophet. And I'm like, oh. And, and like, you know, it was just, it was like, um, it was a simple conversation. But the more I learned about the food etiquette, about the, um, about waking up, about prayer, I realized how much it matched my upbringing as a Dine, as a Navajo person on the reservation. My grandparents raised me. I was um, raised as a shepherd. Um, so a lot of the prophets and messengers were shepherds. They took care of flock. And then there was uh, um, the getting up before um, dawn to pray to the Creator. And then also what natives um, share um, is always giving thanks for everything, for every piece of sand, for every rock, for every leaf, for every wind, for every bird, for every um, creature. Like, it was just... Um, like that feel, that overwhelming feeling that a native has of just awe of the creation and just awe of the creator. It's like that magnified my, um, my, like my love even more for the creator. And then I felt like it was, um, a simple step to take and I was not coerced in any way to accept Islam. It was something that was just drawn to and attracted to. And I still, am to this day like the more i learn the more i don't know you know so it was like um and even the food was like 
so like it was a score for me because they uh the muslims eat a lot of lamb and goats so there's so many dishes um and uh so i i just um uh i just found a lot of many commonalities of and i feel like my uh acceptance of islam completed i don't want to say completed but it, like uh magnifies my indigenousness <laughs> my nativeness Yeah. Um, because it's so simple, so down to earth, so um, very simple. There's not um, that co that colonial aspect of it, you know. There's no constructs and there's no there's no racism, and it's it's so it's it's, it's profound, and it's for the intelligent person, the one who asks questions, mm -hmm. and um, for people who have common sense, for people who love the creator, for like it's for all of humanity. It's for the heart, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you're mentioning it's for all of humanity. It's not, um, you know, Islam is not, uh, you know, like a racial identity or anything like that. I think uh, Ashley went into that just a while ago, too. But, um, you know, you mentioned some of the food, uh, you know, you know, the, the food connected with Islam uh, is, you know, comes from, uh, you know, some of the Middle East, a little bit of Africa, you know, Europe. Um, and, and that's just like, it, I think it, to me, it looks like very tight knit. Uh, you know, you can't really like separate the, the foods and the celebratory foods of that area and that culture from the religion because they're very uh, tightly knit there. Is that uh, your understanding too, Latanya? I, um, I'm used to the res style food where there's only salt and pepper, yeah. you know, to taste. <laughs> and so when I had food from India, for example, um, it was very spicy, but it was so good. I, I was, when I traveled to India, um, they actually served um, goat brain. So they, they, that's a delicacy. And I was like, wow, I didn't eat any, but <laughs> mm -hmm. I was just uh, um, so intrigued. And that's like, um, that's, Uh, I think Afghans, Af I have, I've tried um, the grilled lamb um, by an Afghan um, restaurant out here in L.A. So good. And then there was um, the Yemeni, um, what is it called, uh, mandi. It's mm -hmm. rice and lamb. It's lamb shake. Oh, my God. Like, there's so many spices that are involved that just make it, that, that it gives it that, like, um, I was kind of jealous, but I'm like, mm. You know, because I like to claim that, like, <laughs> we're the lamb, we're the lamb eaters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was, no, uh, so for, like, uh, God forgive me, but I was, um, I was really happy to have, um, to have um, that as part of my, you know, um, my introduction to Islam. The family that introduced me to Islam before I became Muslim made me lamb stew and fry bread. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the heck? You know, it's like, well, no way. So it was just, and um, every time, though, when I'm talking, when I'm introducing myself as a native um, to not, uh, to Muslims that are non-native, it's always the intrigue and then always the questions of, back to your former question of like, oh, you guys pay tax, you guys don't pay taxes, you get everything for free. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, mm -hmm. so I have to always go back and dispel all of these misconceptions Um, which is no, um, which is like, um, which is accepted. But the most, um, I think the main thing that also kind of stuck with me is that every single Muslim non-native that I've met has always been um, like 
this is your land, <laughs> you know, this is your land, like, well, like, wow, I didn't know you guys still existed, but this land belongs to you, like, they were so proud for us, you know, they were so proud of us that we're still here, that we're still, and it oops, All right, no matter well. what I go, even to this day, it's like, oh, you're native, wow, this is your land, I'm like, oh, thank you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, but yeah yeah totally um definitely i'm I'm uh, familiar with a lot of these uh foods you know afghan food is still like one of my favorite uh you know types of food um you know i was um uh you know with uh I, you know i had my introduction to to uh muslim the muslim community and uh the afghan community as well and you know that big you know friday table full of food you know kind of kind of changed my life and made me think so much differently about uh just the power of food um locally here in albuquerque shala anwar i consider her still like the the best chef i i know <laughs> and if you know me like I'm a, I'm a food writer i'm a foodie uh but but still you know that big afghan spread on friday evenings was just like it's still like one of my favorite food memories ever. Um, I'd like to go back to uh, some of our other guests we have on the line as well. Uh, we have in Oregon, uh, Samira Brotherson. She's the founder of Hidea Women's Resource and Advocacy Program. Welcome to Native America Calling, Samira. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm, thank you. Uh, and also joining us from Jacksonville, Florida, is Badia Yusuf. She's Ojibwe and Cree. Welcome, Badia. Hi, thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, so, Samira, we were just kind of talking a little bit about food there, and um, uh, food is, is a very important part of uh, Ramadan, which is uh, this this holy month that is coming up uh, tomorrow at sundown. Uh, Samira, before you know, I ask you about uh, you know Ramadan and what it is. Uh, t tell me about some of the foods that you might celebrate with or or eat uh, after fasting. Is over so um, this will be I think my my 23rd Ramadan mm -hmm. um, I'm a revert to Islam and um, I feel like I've learned how to, to, to do how to fast and how to eat over all these years because I think at first I was just trying every food and biryani and shawarma and everything under the Sun but now I kind of um, have eased into it and we usually have soup um, and maybe like a, a sandwich for iftar, something kind of basic dates, like a soup like harira, which is um, famous Moroccan soup. I learned how to make that. So that's usually what we break our fast with. Um, I try to add vegetables. So at my age and at this point, I'm trying to like, like you know, check blood sugar and stay healthy with my fast breaking. Mm -hmm. And um but I also like to eat like foods that are traditional to me, like new foods that I've learned as um, from from fellow Muslims, and just foods that are comfort foods to me. Kind of always been, yeah. Right, yeah. T tell me a little bit about uh, comfort foods to you. What are some of those from from your culture? So, you know, my um, I'm a mixed person, but I identify as African American, Black American. So, like soul food, like um, greens. You know, very healthy greens, um, macaroni and cheese, fried chicken, 
watermelon, just some of the classics, yeah. you know, peach cobbler, fried fish. These foods just, you know, are foods that I grew up with and that I love to eat. But I, you know, but I've been, sometimes I mix them in with the new foods like the soup. So I won't have greens, macaroni and cheese, and fried chicken, but I might have one of those plus soup and a salad, you know. So, right. you know, it's, it's a combination for me. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, Ramadan, I understand that it's fasting from sunup to sundown. Um, you know, and there there are some exceptions, though, uh, I, w- I was reading. What are uh, some of those exceptions, uh, Samira? We're going to go to break in just a bit, but uh, can you name some of those exceptions to fasting? Sure. So um, in my understanding, the exceptions are so if you are a woman and you're um, having your menstruation, your moon, time, you don't need to um, fast. Allah is merciful and understands it's not good for women to fast. Also, um, we're given a choice if we're pregnant. We also may or may not fast. It's a choice. Um, Also, if someone is uh, very elderly and they're not able to fast, they're not required to fast anymore. If someone's bleeding from an injury, they're not required to fast. Mm -hmm. If someone has a debilitating illness like a diabetes or something that you know, makes it uh, dangerous for them to fast, they're not required to. This is all Quran and Sunnah. So, you know, it's a very reasonable, um, you know, it's very reasonable. People that are not able to fast don't have to. Got it. We'll be back after this break. This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support from the Self-Governance Communication and Education Tribal Consortium, presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort starting June 26th. Registration closes June 23rd at TribalSelfGov.org. Thank you for tuning in. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy, and we're talking with Native Muslims today. You're welcome to join us. How do you balance your Native identity with your religious affiliation? There's still time to join the conversation. We are at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go to the phone lines. We have Rosemary listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico on KUNM. Hey, Rosemary. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you asked um, a few minutes ago about the listeners and how they um, how they took the path to their current spiritual belief, and it was through Islam that I became a Baha'i. I lived in Muslim countries for eight years in um, West and in East Africa, and I came to 100% believe that Islam is what it said it was. I'm, you know, I'm an American, obviously. And that um, it was a message from God, and I was always impressed by the the um, adherence to the the laws of Islam and to the practices. And it was a, a very inspiring. In fact, I had a Muslim name which I changed officially uh, way back when. And um, so I just wanted to uh, like express that that it was through Islam and through watching people practice what they preach that I came to the Baha'i faith, which I practice now. So I want to thank you for letting me um, speak my piece. Thank you. 
All right. Thank you, Rosemary. Uh, if you have a comment question about uh, your religious faith and how you balance that with your cultural identity, give us a call. We're at 1-800-996-2848. I'd like to go to our guest here uh, joining us from Florida is Badia Youssef, Ojibwe and Cree. Uh, Badia, uh, we, we're kind of talking about... Um, uh, Ramadan, um, we learned a little bit about it and, and the exceptions uh, for fasting from Samira just a little bit ago. But um, what what is Ramadan all about? Um, we're fasting for for what reason? Well, thanks for that question, actually. That's also a su- super important part of educating others. Most people think it's just about, oh, not eating and this and that. But really, it's about a lot more than just not eating. Um, During Ramadan, yes, we don't eat or drink or put anything in our body during the day. And we fast from other, you know, physical intimacy, things like that. But it's also about fasting from bad speech and bad thoughts and negativity. And during the month of Ramadan, you know, getting angry even to a certain degree can break your fast. It's about fasting from anything negative, right? It's about having positive speech and encouragement and and good words to others. And I think that's also part of, a big part of the Native culture is, you know, speaking well and and saying good words and and the positivity that comes with that. So, you know, in that way, it, it also adhere, adheres um, to Native culture as well. It's it's just a positive experience. It's a spiritual experience. It's about being in touch with, you know, your spirit and and your connection to the creator, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, just before the show, we were talking and you mentioned you're connecting with your native roots. How do you balance that with uh, your your faith? Um, yeah, so... When I became Muslim, I really was not in touch with my native roots. It, it's from my mom's side. We're Afro-Indigenous, so we also have a small a small part of us that that's Ethiopian. And I I grew up I'm I'm mixed, so I grew up with with my dad and his white side. So really, I did not get any connection with my native culture until you know much later after I became Muslim. So for me, it's been learning the similarities. Like Latanya said, it's it's about finding the parallels, praying in the morning, and and praying genuinely, you know, and and having that connection, and respecting all life, and knowing that we come from the earth, and and we have to respect the earth and the beauty of the earth, and you know, in Islam, we're told not to walk harshly on the earth figuratively and you know it's it's a matter of don't leave anything less than you found it you know you don't need to use extra water don't you don't need to cut down a tree don't and when you do have a respect for it um you know don't waste water even at a running stream Mm -hmm. um things like that it's it's all connected it's all the same it's all the same ideology of we come from the earth we have to have a respect for it you know, we're not above it. We're not in control of it. It is not ours. It's not ownership, right? And and we have to have a respect for that um, in every way and every day of our life, for sure. 
So it's been that reconnecting journey that, that solidifies my Islam. Um, and a lot of times people are very surprised when I say I'm Muslim and Native and, you know, me being on social media and things like that. I do get a lot of, unfortunately, Natives saying, hey, how can you be Native and Muslim? And so that's a big part of, you know, educating others, finding that out for myself. How do I balance that? How do I balance the traditions that I'm learning in my Native culture and also the traditions of Islam that I learn every day and, and balancing those and so practicing and learning and getting in touch with those while also, you know, connecting my faith with that as well. Right, right. Uh, you're mentioning a little bit about how, you, you know, you get reactions from Native people, from uh, folks who are connected to you family-wise, friend-wise. It, it seems like um, uh, doing that declaration of faith and become, becoming Muslim is like taking on um, well, of course, it is taking on a, a whole nother identity, but um, it, uh, it, it changes you and your life and, and you get different reactions from those around you. Um, I, I'd like to ask uh, Samira about that. Uh, when, when you uh, became a Muslim, uh, what was the reaction around you, your, your friends and, and family? Um, yeah, thank you for that question. Um... I think it was a natural progression for me. I mean, I, I mentioned that my uh, dad uh, was from the Nation of Islam, but I, when I became a Muslim officially, I mean, I'd always thought I was a Muslim, but I, you know, stepped, learned and stepped into becoming a Sunni Muslim. I took Shahada and was a Sunni Muslim. And I think, like, some of my family were happy for me, but other family members were not happy and they had a lot of preconceived ideas about what Islam was, that it was misogynistic and that it was more of a culture than a, than a spiritual practice. Also like friends that I had stuff in common with, we didn't have the same things in common because now I was going to the masjid and I was reciting Quran and we didn't share the same things that we had. So, you know, it's just kind of a, um, a progression of things and, with anything, people that should be in your life, stay in your life regardless. Um, I think some people are happy and some people didn't understand, you know, kind of a mixture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'd like to ask this of uh, LaTanya. LaTanya is a Navajo in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, LaTanya, what about you? When you became Muslim, you took that Shahada. Uh, what was the reaction from those around you and, and your family back in Shanto, Arizona? Uh, my, I'll start with my um, my mother. Um, she, uh, she was, um, of course, she's always gonna love me no matter what. And um, I have her to thank for her compassion. And I think maybe at first she thought it was a phase that I was going through, but after time, she understood that this is now like who I who I am, and it's a complete. Um, change um, for the better. So I stopped a lot of things that I was doing, the bad things. Um, I used to drink a lot and I didn't drink anymore. Um, was smoking, I didn't do that. Like I, I changed my whole entire life. Honoring parents was like at the top, but and then also the rest of my family um, didn't really ask too many questions. Um, I have family that are traditional um, 
and then I have family that are also Christians. So I got mixed um, uh, mixed feelings from um, from them. But um, over time, it's all I've always been welcomed. Like I've always, I've never been um, like discriminated. Maybe just one or two um, distant relatives will take little comment here and there. But it was um, very far and few between. More or less, it was acceptance and it was accommodation. They're like, "Oh, we got you. Well, let's go to the halal market. We'll get you some halal meat. We'll make some burgers, some halal burger." Like it was like that kind of when it was time to pray. Like, "Oh, you should just praying. Don't walk in front of her." Or it was like my nieces coming up and asking me like. Um, like just knowing, uh, just seeing Islam in action, and I never really forced it on them. So when any questions came up, I would volunteer um, information sometimes, and I would I just kind of tread lightly. I don't want um, to overwhelm um, anyone. So it's it's a uh, constant journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd uh, like to ask. Um... Uh, let's see, uh, Badea, about uh, breaking the fast, uh, the end of Ramadan. Uh, can you tell us about that and the kind of celebration that happens during that time? Yeah, so that's a big question for us as reverts, people who become Muslim later on in our life. Um, there's so many ways that you can break your fast during Ramadan and for Eid. Um, I found, like someone said earlier, that, you know, in the beginning you have really heavy foods when you break your fast daily. Um, there's a lot of folks that will give you a lot of meat and bread and this and that. But I've become more on the side of eating light, like stew, like, you know, wild rice stew or three sisters stew, which is just vegetables. But for eat, it's more of a, it's more of a, you can get back to, you know, celebrating food, enjoying food, because I am a foodie, you know, I, I do love food. But I find it hard because during the month of Ramadan, you're you're eating so little or you're supposed to be eating very little, very light. And so you almost feel bad, right? I think every Muslim, native or not, wherever you come from, you have that week or so of like, oh, my gosh, I'm eating in the daytime. I feel really bad, right? And... <laughs> So you get back to really enjoying food, and I love to, you know, I don't eat a lot of meat normally, but, you know, I'm eating meats, and I'm enjoying richer foods and maybe some sweet stuff, you know, because as I get older, I'm eating less sweet stuff, and I'm eating, you know, watching what I eat. But, you know, for that first week, you're kind of getting back into feeling okay about eating throughout the day. So it is hard to eat normally after Ramadan, and we break our fast. Um, but I eat, like I said, meats and stews and, you know, I'll make Ethiopian food, kaiwets and, you know, things like that, richer stews and, you know, lamb stew and, and I'll make fry bread and I'll have, <laughs> you know, cinnamon sugar and things like that and, and pie and just so many good things that, you know, make you grateful for the food that we have. You know, that really is the point of Ramadan. It's just being grateful for what you have. And when you break your fast, it's, it's about being grateful for that. And while you're eating, um, you know, thinking about the people that don't have anything to break their fast. And really, you know, I like to share food with others. It's about community and, you know, having those meals together because, 
you know, that is part of eating. It's a part of food. It's a part of life. It's, it's enjoying meals with others and mm-hmm. really being grateful for that ability to have good food and cook together. And so that's a big part of breaking the fast as well is community and, you know, just being grateful for it for sure. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I I don't know how this turned into a food show, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, everything is is sounding pretty delicious here. Um, you know, it definitely seems like a you get a new appreciation for food and the people who make food and and grow food and provide it uh, to the community when you've gone without it for a whole month. Um, Ashley, I'd like to go back to you over in Chicago. Um, Ashley, h- how do you celebrate Eid al Fitr? And, um, uh, you know, what, what else does it mean, you know, on top of, uh, you know, just breaking a fast and celebrating with food? Well, it's essentially the Muslim Met Gala. You basically hype yourself up by getting dressed to, like, the nines. So you wear, like, your new clothes. Like, if you wear the hijab, then you wear, like, a sparkly hijab. You just get dressed up to, like the absolute nines and um it's basically like a muslim fashion show mm-hmm. so uh, we just like hype each other up on social media and you slay <laughs> all right all right um we, we are coming down to the end of the hour here i'd really love to say thank you to our guests we had on today uh we had Latanya barlow from navajo nation ashley wolford chicago over in chicago she's chakta uh samira brotherson and uh Badia yusuf ojibwe and cree over in florida join us again tomorrow for a discussion about us this show native america calling We've been on the air for almost 30 years, and this is uh, your chance to learn more about the crew and our history. Uh, We just had some very exciting news. The uh, White House is awarding this show, Native America Calling, the National Humanities Medal. Uh, Our CEO, Jacqueline Salee, will be receiving the medal from President Joe Biden in uh, Washington, D.C. today. And um, Dr. Henrietta Mann is uh, Cheyenne and Arapaho. they will also be receiving this medal. You can go to neh.gov. That's the uh, National Humanities website. You can look at all of the honorees uh, that were awarded this year. We are listed there, Native America Calling, right above Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John is also uh, an award winner um, this year round. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening to Native America Calling. We'll all I'll be back tomorrow. I'm Andy Murphy from the Navajo Nation, senior producer and host for Native America Calling. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Ah, oh, 
If you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the Marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.